All right, wrap up the prayer. Bless them in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Tell the person that prayed for you, thank you. There you go. Now we're being, now we're being kind and acting like we're supposed to in the house of God. Amen. I think that there's just a place in, in Jesus that all you have left is blessing. I think that there's just a place in Jesus that all you have left is blessing. I think there's a place that God wants to take us to that all we have left is love, not fear. I don't know about you. I, I haven't arrived, but I think I've left. How about you? And every day we get a little bit better. Amen? Awesome. Let's see what, uh, what the Holy Spirit wants to do tonight. I've, I've got a direction. I've even got notes. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, and I'm really encouraged about the notes. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Read this to you out of the Passion Translation. We started the Passion Translation, sorry. We started a conversation last week around this wonder arrest and made a case that a lot of us are not living arrested by the wonder of Christ and the beauty of Christ and the magnitude of the blessing of the cross. And then the worship team did a great job tonight just conveying that blessing of the cross. It was awesome. I, I love to see that. Whenever Jesus is, uh, when Jesus is lifted up in every area of the service. If you came tonight for anything other than Jesus, you'll be disappointed. But if you came for Jesus, you'll never be disappointed. And I love that. And they did an incredible job doing that. But we started a conversation about how a lot of us are living a life arrested by wander or wandering through life. Instead of living from this place of focused, intentional wonder. And out of Matthew 18, verse 3, I'll read it to you as I said in the Passion Translation, and we can look at it here. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says this, Learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to. To enter it. <laughs> I'll finish it for us. You'll never be able to enter it. Think about this profound statement that Christ makes. How many of you want to live a life not just having access to the kingdom and saying that you made it into the kingdom, but want to live a life of exploring the kingdom of God? Live a life compelled by the wonder and mystery that comes through a life of Christ-centered worship to take new steps and experience fresh tastes of the kingdom in your day today. I, I want to be able to do that, and I know that you do too. And Jesus, because he's the best teacher that's ever lived, he's given us the way to be able to do it, and he's teaching us about humility. He's teaching us about coming into a place of childlike faith and being arrested, not by the power of our problems, not by the power of our stresses, not by the power of our situation, but how to come back into a place of childlike wonder and being arrested by this wonder and live arrested by the power of God. Live impressed by what God's doing, not what the enemy's doing. We started this conversation that so many of us have drifted, so many of us have left that place of first love, if you will. Christianity becomes a routine. We get stuck in a rut. 
And don't get me wrong, there's a place for repetition in the kingdom of God. There's a place for discipline. But I've always explained it to people like this. Discipline might be the car, but passion is the gas. <laughs> and you need to be able to have passion in order to drive the car. Now, don't get me wrong. The longer that you sit in a car, especially if it's a really nice, really fast car, without gas, you'll get a hunger for gas so that you can actually drive. So I never say that we only engage in discipline and we only engage in seeking God whenever we have a feeling. Sometimes you just have to sit in the car to remember what it's supposed to feel to drive. And you'll end up plugging back into a place of passion. But passion's important. Wonder and being captivated by the, by the beauty of Christ is important. Coming back to that place of being undone, remembering. Anybody remember how terrible they were before the Lord? Anybody remember how terrible they still are some days? Right? I don't know about you, but I just don't think that I can ever run out of reasons why I worship God. I don't think I can ever run out of reasons why I'm thankful for what he's done. And we allow ourselves to re-engage in a place of childlike wonder. According to the verse we just read, we gain access to the kingdom. A lot of people are trying to gain access to the kingdom through their works, through their own performance. A lot of people are trying to explore the ground of the kingdom based upon just looking through the lens of emotional experiences. But I believe that the Lord is calling us to a place, and this is just the way that the Lord works, is have you ever found out that Jesus has no problem creating tension? Think about, think about this for a second. My phone's going down, so we're going off script, and I forgot about the, the TV already. So if I get too far gone, Austin's going to tell me to get back on track, okay? Because that really is part of Austin's job description, so it's awesome. All right, so here's the thing. Have you ever thought about the way that Jesus presented uh, his sermons? The way he presented teaching? The majority of the time he taught in parables, which were stories, right? They, they were narratives. And there were stories with a hidden meaning. But do you know that whenever Jesus is talking to the masses, he never explains the meaning of the parable? It's not until he gets with the disciples that he explains the meaning. Think about that, how that would fly today. If I got up here and I just told you something that made you ask a lot of questions, but didn't really try to give you any, and you're thinking, man, this sounds like the way that you preach. <laughs> but, but think about it. Think if I just created a lot of, a lot of questions and never really, never really took the time, energy, and effort to unpack it or to explain it or to give you any kind of point. Think about a teacher that leaves you with more questions than answers. Welcome to the teaching style of Jesus when he walked the earth. He left people with more questions than he did answers. But because I can tell you this, sometimes people worship their own understanding and their own ability to answer questions instead of just receiving Jesus as enough. See, you're going to have a problem with the kingdom road. You're going to have a problem with the childlike wonder of the kingdom if you always need a formula. Sometimes X doesn't equal Y with the kingdom of God. 
I love it. The, the Pharisees, caught in religion, they were constantly trying to find ways to entrap Jesus. And I love Jesus' responses to so many of their questions. One particular time, there's a man that had been blind since birth. And they brought him to Jesus. They said, Jesus, whose sin is it that this man is blind? Whose fault? Is it his parents' sin or is it his sin because he was born this way? Who messed up? Who didn't have the right kind of faith? Who wasn't believing God? Who had some kind of unrepented sin in their life to cause this blindness that this man's dealt with all of his life? And Jesus gives a radically different answer than they were expecting. Jesus gives an answer that left them scratching their heads. Jesus gave them an answer that left them in a place of wonder. (laughs) He said this. He said, neither this man's sin nor his parents' sin. This man was born this way so that the glory of God might be revealed. This man was born this way so that a miracle could happen. This man wasn't born this way to be punished. This man wasn't born this way for any other reason except so that the glory of God might be revealed. Isn't that an awesome concept? Think about it. For the people that were wanting this A or B answer, Jesus a lot of times throws out C or D. It's actually none of the above. Can we go back to the verse just for a second? Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable. This is key right here. Do you know that there's excitement in a little child whenever you are going to teach them something? I live with a lot of little children. You know this about me. I get tired of the questions. But there's a hunger in a little child to learn. And I say things in my home, mostly just to assert dominance, but I say things in my home like, well, yeah, daddy can teach you that because daddy knows everything. (laughs) And now my son will tell me, well, I I know you can tell me, I know you can teach me that, dad, you know everything. I tell him, son, no, I really don't know everything, but you and I both do have a dad that does know everything. And there'll be some things that I'm not able to teach you, but as long as you keep that questioning spirit, as long as you keep that desire alive on the inside of you to learn and to be teachable, there's no limit to what you can receive in the kingdom of God. Why do people stop progressing in their Christian walk? Is it because they weren't one of the chosen select? Is it because they weren't one of the anointed? Is it because that just wasn't their gift? Was it because of their sin, their parents' sin? It's because of this right here. They're not willing to dramatically change the way that they think. They're not willing to be okay without an answer to the formula. They're not willing to be okay and come back to a place of humility and become teachable like a little child. Let me tell you this, guys. If we're going to live a life arrested by the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of Christ, we have to be okay with not always getting the answers that we want. We have to be okay with getting the answer that he wants. We have to be okay with coming into a place of understanding that what he wills is much better than what I want. Look, there's this thing that happens when we talk about moving into a place of childlike wonder. And I told you last week I was going to pick this up, and I am. We can go to the next next note here. There's a difference between this childlike wonder of experiencing God by focusing on Christ 
and walking this path of grace, walking this path of, of adventure, walking this path of moving deeper into the ground of the kingdom that God has for us by allowing the Lord to renew our minds and change the way we think and change the way that we perceive situations. There's this childlike wonder that we're called to have. But see, childlikeness and childishness are not the same thing. You know, there's, there's, there's this intense curiosity in my children at this age to learn, and they love learning new things. And they love asking questions. But there's also this childish intensity on the inside of them to throw a fit when they don't get their way. Listen, you're no different. <laughs> there's also this childishness on the inside of them called disobedience that we work out with fear and trembling, right? Most of the time them whenever I have to get Mr. Spoon or whatever it might be, okay? Are you following me? Okay, you didn't, you didn't like that. That's fine. You don't have to do that to, to your kids. They'll end up for counseling with me later. But anyway, <laughs> childish wander. There's this difference between childish wanderlust. This word wanderlust means this intense desire to travel or to roam. And, and I'd like to propose to you today that this... Living in this place of childlike wonder and in and, and a place of continually allowing ourselves to be open to what Christ wants to do. Most people stop growing in the kingdom not because of anything other than a lack of openness. They think, I've walked with the Lord this amount of time, that's all that there is for me. Or I've experienced this or this, and that was in a time that I was maybe in a place of hunger that I'm not currently, or that was in a time that God must have just willed for that to happen in that season. And what, what begins to happen is, in losing our childlike wonder, we, 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 we also stop, we stop, we stop going into that place of hunger to seek out the dramatic ways that Christ still wants to change the way that we think about things. Look, Christ is infinite. We're not. There's an infinite depth that we go into the kingdom. I believe that eternity it itself is eternity because it will take forever for us to continue to dive into the depths of Christ's love and his character and his grace. Eternity itself will not be enough time. The worst possible thing that we can do is live a life, live a life arrested by anything other than this beauty and mystery of Christ. And what happens so often is that in a childish sense, we start putting our focus on our own lusts. We start turning our eyes to worthless things. We start allowing that childlike desire to believe that my parent can really teach me something, that my parent possibly really does know everything. We lose that childlike expectancy to experience something new today. And what we allow to happen is we allow our relationship with Christ to grow stale. Like we allow some of our marriages to grow stale. Like we allow some of our friendships to grow stale. Do you know that without preservation, which means effort on your part, the relationships in your life have a trajectory and it's not increase, it's staleness. We have to work on preserving every relationship in our life, including our relationship with the Lord. He's constant. He changes not. Have you looked in the mirror lately? You're changing. We all are changing. 
Well, we have to make a decision if we're going to live a life arrested by the wonder of the mystery and the beauty of Christ is that there's certain things in our life that do change, but there's other things that do not. Our will to constantly position ourselves in a place of asking the Lord for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Constantly putting ourselves in a place to consult with our Father before we make a decision. Constantly coming into a place of believing that, God, there's still more that you long to do in my life. Constantly coming into a place of an eagerness to see what God might do in this area of my life today. Constantly coming to a place of when we assemble together, we don't become surprised by the miraculous. We expect the miraculous. Coming into a place of that when I pray for somebody, I don't expect nothing to happen. I expect something to happen. Coming of, into a place of believing that Christ is more impressive than any lust in my flesh or any distraction in my life and allowing ourselves through preservation, through activation, sometimes through discipline, to re-engage with the living God and allow ourselves to come back into that childlike expectancy of, what do you want to teach me, Jesus? Most people are not growing because they are no longer asking Jesus questions. They're allowing their experiences. They're allowing the culture. They're allowing the brokenness in relationships. They're allowing, check the box you know, check all that apply for you. They're allowing, we allow so much, so many other things, guys, to instruct the way that we live besides the risen Lord. We allow so many things in our lives to instruct our pattern for living instead of Jesus. And I feel that the Lord is continuing to call us over these next couple weeks into a place of with a childlike expectancy and a childlike humility, asking the question, what do you want to teach me, Lord? What do you want to grow in my heart? What do you want to shape in my life? I can tell you this, but it's not a very smart decision to live in a prideful resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit. Nobody would tell you that that's a wise thing to do until the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about loving your enemies. Then we'll have a justification as to why I can never forgive that person. Then we'll have a justification as to why I could never really allow myself to pray for that person. We'll have a justification as to why I can't really have anything to do with, with that group or whatever it might be. We'll, we'll allow justification to come in instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to dramatically change the way that we think. Listen, if some of the things that Jesus tells you don't scare you, you might not be listening to Jesus. If everything that Jesus tells you just sits very well with you and makes you feel so comfortable all of the time, man, I don't know who you're talking to, but it's not Jesus. I've learned to love the correction of the Lord. How about you? I've learned to love the, the, the gentle yet powerful authoritative love of the Father that wills to speak into the areas of my life where my thinking is wrong. 
But I can't allow him to speak into the areas of my life where my thinking is wrong if I think I can't be wrong. Thank you. I'm talking spiritual tonight. This is what it means to be a spiritual person. What it means to be a spiritual person is I put more stock in what Jesus says than what anybody else says. Whatever Jesus tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. To be a spiritual person means I look to Christ, not my experience. To be a spiritual person means I'm going to choose to reject my tendency to to wander. And I'm going to allow myself to move into a place of being captivated by the wonder of the love of God. And I'm just going to allow myself to rest there. Being spiritual means that I move into a place of Christ's peace. And I say, if it costs me that, whatever it might be, if it costs me my peace, it's too expensive. I'm not willing to lose this place of childlike wonder. Listen, relationships that matter in your life, you have to fight for them. The amount of work that you put into a thing determines that thing's value and placement of priority in your life. What you ignore, you don't care about. Maybe I should try another message. Let's continue on here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. The Lord in this place of being arrested by the wonder of Christ is actually willfully drawing us, if we'll allow him to, into a place of maturity. It's kind of a, of a paradox. There's this thing about becoming childlike in the kingdom, but you end up being mature. Don't understand it? That's why I like Jesus to dramatically change the way I think about things. Because the culture will tell you that you have to stop being childlike in order to grow up. See my shirt, my Peter Pan shirt tonight, I wore it on purpose. Because I've just made a decision in the kingdom of God that I don't necessarily want to grow up. I want to mature, but I don't want to grow up to a place and grow. Here's the thing. I want to grow up in the kingdom of God in the sense that I want to mature in following the Lord and to be devoted to what he says. But it's not growing up if you grow out of wonder. It's not growing up if you grow out of your need to consult the Lord in the decisions of your life. You're not growing up, you're actually growing out of relationship with Jesus. Are you following me? So there's this tension that we have to keep between growing up in the kingdom and making sure that we don't grow out of relationship with God. We have to maintain ourselves in a place of childlike dependency. We have to make sure that God is still the first thing, the first person that I run to whenever I'm in trouble. That I don't turn to my breathing exercises or my counting down from 10. I love this one. People say, well, I just need alone time. No, you don't. You're the problem. You don't need more time with you. You don't need alone time. You need him time. You know one thing my, my three-year-old son's never told me? That he needs alone time. He always wants me time. He always wants Serena time. Why? Why? 
Because he loves us. It's an adult thing to start saying that you need alone time. I get it. Trust me. I need alone time from some of you. I get that. <laughs> and you need alone time from me. I get that. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's why you keep coming back on Wednesdays because you miss me. Praise God. That's awesome. All right? But, but here's, here's the thing I want to encourage you with. You can't get into this place of arrogant adult reliance on self. I'm going to show you out of the book of Galatians that that's called carnality and being led by your flesh. Putting stock and confidence in your flesh. We're going to take a look at the difference between being childlike and being childish. How many of you believe that God wants you to grow up from childness, from, child, from childishness, but he doesn't want you to grow out of childlikeness? You, you see the tension? You have to embrace that tension. In some areas of my life, I need to remain childlike. But on the other hand, I know some people in the name of being childlike that are just childish. That's not the case. So what are some of the things that we see that reveal to us childish ways? I love this. I'm really, uh, I'm really, you're going to like this. I'm really passionate about the passion translation of the Bible right now. Would you like that? Wasn't that clever? You should, you should check it out. There's, it's, uh, it, there's just really fresh reading and interpretation of the scripture. I've been reading through Galatians, one of my favorite books. Anybody else like Galatians besides me? I love Galatians because it just makes me, every time I read it, it makes me want to put all my confidence back in Jesus. <laughs> okay, that didn't go over well either. Galatians 4 through 5, these two chapters. It's your homework. You can read them. School's fixing to start back. Some started back for some. So go ahead and lead by example. If you've got kids in your home, do some homework. Read Galatians chapter 4 and 5. And these passages for us reveal two things that I think are clear identifiers of childish ways. And the first is in Galatians chapter 4, all of 4, and then in chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, Paul is making a case to these Galatians. And I love whenever Paul talks to the churches that he's overseeing, he calls them children. Have you picked that up in Paul's writings a lot? My little children. I love in Galatians 4, 19, he says, Oh, my little children, I'm again in the pains of childbirth until I see Christ formed in you. He's constantly referring to the church as children. And I think it's a powerful thing because we're supposed to be childlike in following the Lord. But Paul's making this case constantly, almost in every single one of his letters, that being childlike is not the same thing as being childish. And God needs us to grow out of childishness if we're really going to embrace true kingdom childlikeness. All right, let me give it to you this way. Childishness is immaturity. It's the areas of our life that we're immature. And I think there's two things that Paul really drives a point home on in Galatians in referring to what I would call childish ways. I love how he starts off Galatians. He says, Oh, my beloved, or oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You've quickly gone on from a gospel different than the one that I've presented to you. You could say it this way. I painted for you a masterful picture of the beauty of Christ, the finished work of the cross, the power that's accessible to you, and you've turned your eyes from that beauty and you've begun, you've begun to wander. You've lost the wonder and you've started wandering. And Paul's letter to the church in Galatia is this, is that they get their eyes back on Jesus and his finished work. Get their eyes back on Jesus and what he's completed at the cross. The beauty of that, the finality of that. There's rich themes in Galatians. You'll enjoy the reading. 
But two of the things that he's in fatherly correction, I told you I've learned to love the correction of the father. You should learn to love it too if you want to grow. But the two things in this book that Paul is getting the Galatians, making a case for them to let go of, is religion and carnality. In Galatians 4 and then 5, 1 through 15, what's happened is is that the church in, in Galatia has turned away from the truth that the just requirement of the law has been fulfilled in Christ and they've opened themselves up to other teachers and other teachings that's telling them that they need to add to Christ's work. Things like under the Jewish law, circumcision, they were being taught, still important, still matters, can't be holy without it. Your works, your own self-righteousness, it's still important, it still matters. The dietary laws, you got to keep them. You're not as free as you think you are in Christ. Be careful of anybody that tries to convince you that you're not as free as you think you are in Christ. You're actually more free in Christ than you ever were living under sin. People that are living under sin, they think that there's such freedom and embracing carnality and do whatever they want. But in the end, it's bondage. It's actually the thing that's enslaving you. In Christ, there's such freedom. It's a beautiful thing. And even as parents, we have a remarkable job whenever we have children at home with us. Or maybe you have grandparents, grandparents here tonight, and you have grandchildren around you a lot. Do you know that God's made a decision to give people free will? Not everybody has used their free will to experience the freedom of Christ, but God has given a measure of free will to everybody. And one of the beautiful things that we have the honor and privilege to do as parents is we actually have the ability to teach them how to steward their free will well, how to use their free will to make a decision to say yes to the Holy Spirit and yes to Jesus and not their flesh and the wanderings of this life, but how to say yes to the wonder of Christ. Are you following me? Did you know that the Father God is longing to do the same thing in our hearts and lives every day by means of his Holy Spirit? And I'm going to show you out of the book of Ephesians that he's also put spiritual fathers in the church that desire to do that for you as well. But to grow, to mature, to leave behind childishness. Let's go back this way. Good thinking. I'm about to be there. You were right. To leave behind childishness, I have to let go of me living by performance. Kids are always looking for validation based upon what they can accomplish. Always. Right? I love my kids with all my heart, but you know, when they're little, they think any little thing that they can do is like the greatest thing ever. You know? I love it. It's cute. It's beautiful. And you connect with it and you celebrate it like, man, that's the greatest trick you've ever seen in the world. But they'll run up to you and they'll be like, hey, look what I can Dad, 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 look what I can do. I'm like, wow, that's amazing, that's incredible, that's so awesome. They crave that validation. And we got to learn how to channel that into a place in maturity that we train them and equip them to be able to grow up, not living for the approval of men, but living from the smile of their father. Living from a place of being validated in Christ. But in their immaturity, I connect with that in their constant need to be seen, their constant need to be approved, their constant need to show me their trick. I connect to them in that, and I'm teaching them how the Father reacts to their best efforts in the Spirit as well. I'm teaching them. I'm training them. But how many of you know when you're an adult and you're still running around 
And your attitude is dependent on whether or not somebody told you good job that day. You're not being childlike, you're being childish. When you're running around every day and you're in the mully grubs because you don't feel appreciated and because so-and-so didn't send you a thank you card whenever you bought them that gift, well, that's the last time I buy a gift for them. They didn't send me a thank you card. You ever talk to people like this? Some of you are this person. We'll get you delivered. But others, you've got people like this in your family. They keep tally. Well, I did for you. If you did for me so I could do for you, I don't want your gift. Because, because I don't need that to be validated. Because I become childlike and I know I'm validated by my father, not your opinion, not your gift. I've got my own gifts and God's got his own opinion about me. I'm actually, you being in my company is actually a bigger blessing to you than any gift you can give me. See, and people misinterpret that as, as arrogance, but it's not. It's confidence in who you are in God. Listen, you want to give me a gift out of a place of love in your heart? That's awesome. But if you need validation, listen, it's, it's manners, it's etiquette to say thank you. I'm not saying that this gives you an excuse to be a jerk. That's called childishness. But whenever you allow resentment to get in your heart, that person didn't tell me thank you. Are you following me? That person didn't tell me that I did good. Well, maybe you did bad. <laughs> okay. Hopefully you're tracking with me. Say amen if you get anything. Amen. All right, that's more than half. We can keep going. Religion drives us to a place of constantly going to God and say, God, look how good I did today. God, look how much I prayed today. God, look how much I read my Bible today. God, tell me I did good. 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 Look how long it's been since I've been upset. Look how, look how long it's been since I've held my tongue whenever my spouse was getting on my nerves. When you're a baby Christian, God will say, wow, that's awesome. Keep going. But how many of you know that if I still treat my kid at 25 like I did when they're four, there's something wrong with me and there will be something wrong with them? Are you following me? We need to be arrested by the wonder and the mystery of the beauty of Jesus. And in maturity, we move on from a place of constantly needing to be validated and constantly needing God to validate us because I don't know if you know this or not, but anytime you need to wonder whether or not you're valued, loved, and appreciated by God, you don't need to look for some fancy, fluffy word for somebody to give you. You need to look to the finished work of the cross. You need to see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. Anytime you ask, well, I do this with my kids all, my time, all the time. Guess how much I love you? I love you this much, so big, so big, so big, so big. That's great when they're four. When they're 30, that's weird. <laughs> Guess how much I love you? This much. And by the way, I sent you that gift for your birthday. You didn't tell me thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I really wonder when we do for others, if it's really for them or if it's for us. Let me tell you, in, in this place of growing being arrested by childlike wonder. If we're going to come into a place of being childlike, we also have to come into a place of believing that God wills to grow us into a place of maturity. Not out of childlikeness, because you see, whenever the Lord comes to you and corrects you, like he's doing some of you tonight, if you're childish, you'll, if you're childish and immature, you'll bow up and you'll push back. But if you're childlike, you'll allow Jesus to dramatically change the way that you think. And you'll stop doing things for people for their approval 
you'll stop giving gifts and expecting a thank you? If you give a gift with an expectation, that's not good seed. People say, well, I sowed into them. What kind of seed did you sow? Uh Uh-oh. We're in trouble. What do you need from somebody else that Christ hasn't already given you? You want to talk about being a low-maintenance person and actually a joy to be around? Be somebody that's made a decision to receive everything from Jesus and now share People tell me, well, I want to be a better person. Okay, first thing we're going to do, we're going to stop talking about you. You want to be a better person? Give your life to bettering other people. I want to be a more powerful person. We're going to stop talking about you. Give your life to help the weak, and you'll be powerful. I want to be a great person. I want to have great impact in my business, in my community. Find ways every day to add value to somebody else. There's a childlikeness in that. Little kids, when they're little like that, they're so sweet. They're constantly looking for ways to tell you how much they love you. They're constantly looking for ways. And they come at the best time. Some of the things my kids tell me in Serena are better than any prophetic word I've ever received. My son was, was, uh, was uh, he, there was some... I forget even what it was. It was a TV show, something on the, I don't even remember what it was. There was something that was on the TV, and he saw, and it might have even been, a, I don't think it was a commercial, because we don't have commercials at home. I, got, I don't do that. I do the whole Netflix, Hulu thing. But anyway, uh, there was something, some show. Some, it might have been like a Hallmark movie or something that Serena was watching. I don't remember what it was. But there was something in that, in that movie to where this dad and husband figure was like uh, being yelling and doing something, and I don't even remember what it was. But my son went and he told my wife, and I'm not going to get this entirely correct, but he went and he told my my wife, "Man, that family really needs somebody like my dad to be their dad." <laughs> things, things, things like that. Listen, a, a kid, even in the midst of their, don't get me wrong, it's about him most of the time. Because there's, there, there's childishness. But there's a childlikeness in being able to confidently and without expectation add value to somebody else. My kids give me stuff. My son goes out and picks weeds for my wife. And he doesn't hand it to her and then say, now what are you going to give me? Adults do that. Immature adults do that. There's something about a heart of a child that is continuing this posture of giving. Yes, there's childishness, but the beauty is, as a parent, you find those things that are the things that you want them to keep through adulthood, and you sow to that. You speak to that. We let Mr. Spoon speak to childishness, but we left the love and acceptance of the Father through me speak to those things. You get into a place of spotting the fruit of the Spirit in your kids' lives. Are you connecting this to what the Father wants to do with you and what spiritual leadership in your life wants to do for you? We get to a place where we focus on those glimpses of what it's supposed to look like. And when we focus on that, we come back into a place of the wonder of Christ. We come back into a place of reconnecting with what's important. 
second thing that Paul warns against is carnality. Religion constantly tries to make ourselves valid before God by our performance. And maturity allows ourselves to see the finished work of Christ and say, that's what makes me valid before God. And rest in that. Can I move on from that one? Carnality. This is childishness. Living by my emotions and cravings. All right? I don't know why my son's coming to me with all these examples, but he's just got the best examples. We were having a breakfast the other day at a restaurant, and uh, there was some chocolate milk there. And my son loves chocolate milk. Chocolate. Chocolate milk. Okay? Milk. Chocolate milk. That's how he says it. He loves chocolate milk. So he told the waitress he wanted some chocolate milk. And they brought the milk, and we told him, okay, Judy, now listen, you can't drink all this chocolate milk because your food's coming. And if you drink all that, you're not going to want your food. So he takes a couple sips, and he sits it there, and he's just staring at it. <laughs> Looking at it. He's just staring at it. Like, son, you don't want to drink the chocolate milk, remember? Dad, not looking at me, looking at the chocolate milk. I, I really think you need to cover up that chocolate milk. <laughs> I said, why, Judah? Why do you want me to cover up that chocolate milk? Because it's really temptating me. <laughs> it's temptating me. Listen, in, in a place of carnality, all right, in a place of carnality, we don't live by what our Father's word on the subject is, we allow our cravings and our emotions to override our Father's word. There is a place of childlikeness, but there's a place of childishness that God wants to work out of our lives as we grow into maturity out of childlikeness. But in childlikeness, we come into a place of being able to receive correction. We come into a place of being willing to receive that because we believe in our Father's word. Carnality fuels us to only live to gratify, to gratify, gratify and satisfy the flesh. Paul warns against this in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he spells them out for us. If we're going to be a, a childlike people that are on our way to maturity. In childlikeness, we stay teachable, we stay correctable, and whatever God convicts you of, we're willing to let it leave our life. You'll find out what your God really is until he convicts you about something that you really like. Like chocolate milk. It's all good with, you know, no drugs, no rock and roll music. Sometimes I still like a little rock and roll music. I didn't tell you that. But what about the things in your life that, like Paul says, might be lawful, but they're not profitable to you? What about the things that the Lord's dealt with you on that you just keep sweeping under the rug? Well, God, it's not that big of a deal. I was really impressed with... Uh, Two of our assistant pastors here. You guys know them. Randy and Lonnie, give them a round of applause. And this is a really awesome resource, and I encourage you to chat with them even after the service. But they were sharing with the pastoral team about a word fast that they did as a couple. How many days was it? Ten days of just focusing on negative words, right? Negative confessions. Negative words. And choosing not to fast food, and I don't mean like McDonald's, all right? So I know some of us, the only fast food we know is <laughs> McDonald's, but well, I mean fast food is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. 
Maybe I'll teach you about that one day. We'll have five people here. It'll be awesome. But here's, here's the thing that I, that, uh, that, I, that I want to tell you is that things like that demonstrate a level of childlikeness. That, God, I'm willing for you to even speak into and dramatically change the way I think with the wide-eyed wonder of a child. I'm willing for you to even speak into the way that I talk day to day. And maybe the things that I'm not paying attention to that's keeping me from experiencing every dimension of this kingdom road. Ten-day word fast of just paying attention to the things that we're confessing and the things that we're saying. There's a childlikeness in that and a humility in that. And there's a way that we choose intentionally to live by the Spirit of God. With my kids, I always tell them this, all right? My son, you know, he's going to take my phone, watch my phone for a little bit. We have, you know, time that he's able to do that or my daughter wants to do something on there. You know, they got access to the kids, Netflix, and I appreciate that function and feature. They can't get on anything super crazy. But even some of the cartoons and stuff, we're just not too big on in, in our house. You know, you can see attitudes start to come out when they watch certain things, and you just pay attention and watch for some of that kind of stuff. It's not like morally wrong, but it's not profiting them on their road to maturity. You've got some of those things in your life too. And the thing that I tell my kids is, is I tell them this. I say, look, you got freedom to pick out what you want. But here's the way that you handle that well is you always ask the Holy Spirit if you should be watching it. And one day, again, my son, I'm against Judas. I should let Judah preach tonight. All these examples about Judah. He came running from the other room and he handed me the phone. He said, Dad, I think you need to keep your phone. I said, why? Chachet milk thing again. He said, there's a show on there I really, I really want to watch. Holy Spirit told me I shouldn't watch it, but Dad, I'm really tempted by this phone. So I think you need to just keep the phone, and I think I'm going to go outside and play. Listen, childlikeness, to stay humble and correctable, to let Jesus dramatically change the way that I think, when's the last time you brought Jesus into your entertainment choices as an adult? Listen, all things are lawful. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell over it. I'm not saying that God's furrowing his brow and he's so upset and the presence of God will leave your home if you watch that movie. I'm not preaching legalism. Listen to me. What I'm preaching is love-based obedience. What has the Father tried to speak into in your life, but in your childishness and in immaturity, you've rejected it. If the Lord wants to speak into your life about it, there's a reason, there's a purpose. But because a lot of times we get attracted by our cravings, we get distracted and we get arrested by our emotions and satisfying our emotions and satisfying our cravings, we get ourselves away from being arrested and controlled by what the Holy Spirit longs to do in our life. Are you following me? Childlikeness means that Jesus, on any issue in my life, I'm willing for you to dramatically change the way that I think about it. Man. See what else we got here. I'm just about done. Maturing is about moving from the I, focused on I all the time, to now focused on the one, is Jesus. It's the process of maturing. What's it's about? It's about moving from a place of only consulting with I, myself, and moving into a place now of consulting with my Father and being willing for Him to dramatically change the way that I think. But I'm not going to allow Him to do that unless I come into a place of being arrested by Him and His goodness. 
until I come in a place of really desiring all the beauty that I see in the life of Christ to be fully expressed in my life. Until I come in a place of paying attention to what my father's doing. Until I allow myself to come into a place of being arrested by wonder and come into a place of childlike humility. I'm only going to focus on me instead of him. I'm paying attention to what he's doing. Now to do this, to really learn how to move from this place of I to focus on the one, we need to, we need to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I made a case for you, even in that example with Judah and his phone, that the thing that my wife and I primarily focus on with our kids isn't necessarily even teaching them. Now listen to me. Don't want you to get confused by this. It isn't necessarily teaching them to, oh, to obey me as much as it is teaching them to obey God. I won't go with that example right now. Back one slide for me real quick. This learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit is really the role given to parents in our lives. It's the role given to us by the heavenly father. It's the role of the heavenly father who sent us the great teacher who is his spirit, the Holy Spirit. But God also in the church wills for us to come into a place of submitting ourselves to what the Spirit's doing, but also submitting ourselves to spiritual fathers and mothers and allowing them to speak into our life. This is the tension that we see in the Scripture. Paul in Galatians talks a lot about being led by the Spirit and being taught as, as a child by the Spirit. But in Ephesians, he makes this profound statement in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and he says this, and he gave, and he gave, to the church, apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, shepherds, pastors, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. How many of you know that the work of ministry that you're called to is living a life of love-based obedience to the Lord? For building up the body of Christ. What are the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists called to do? To build up the body of Christ. Listen to this. Keep going. Until we all attain to the unity, everybody say unity, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, childish, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine Two things here, religion, worthless doctrine, waves, emotions, cravings of carnality. Do you see it? By human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Everybody say love. We are to grow up. Everybody say time to grow up. In every way, into him, shifting from I to the one, moving from a place of me into a place of accepting his life. We're supposed to grow up in every way into him, not grow out of him, not lose our focus of him, not become distracted by worthless things. But the road to maturity is paved with a childlike tenderness and teachability. And the goal is to grow up into him, into deeper and deeper dimensions of the person of Christ. From who the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up 
in love. It's the love of God that captivates me. It's the love of God that sustains me. It's the love of God that woos my heart into a place of childlike humility. And it's the love of God that causes me to want to be obedient to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God that wants me to be obedient and pay attention to that same whispering of the Holy Spirit that I I hear in and from the people that God's placed in spiritual leadership over me. And by doing this, by keeping myself in that place of being arrested by wonder, not allowing myself to wander in immaturity, experimentation, distraction, carnality, religion, thinking it has something to do with my works, my performance, or it's all about me, my desires, my cravings. But by doing this habitually, consistently, what I end up doing is I end up accomplishing and moving into the point of it all, which is looking more like him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What area of your life do you know that you need to humble yourself before the Lord? What area of your life do you know that you've turned your face from the beauty of His? What area of your life are you allowing childishness to replace childlikeness? If that's you and you've identified an area of your life that you're ready to return to a place of childlike humility and say, God, I know that what you will to speak into me in this area of my life is for my good and is because you want me to grow it's because you want me to move into a place of blessing and not cursing. What area of your life are you still bound by religion and constantly caught up in needing to self-validate or have the approval of others? What area of your life are you caught up in being led more by carnality and the cravings of your flesh than that of the Spirit? Allow the words of the Spirit that you hear from me as a leader in this house to resonate with the words and connect and mesh with the words of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and let it be a catalyst that drives you to a place of repentance, a place of allowing Jesus to dramatically change the way that you think. If the ministry teams would come. <coughs> Wherever you are and whatever that area is in your life tonight, I encourage you to allow the Lord to speak into it. For some of you, that might look like a silent prayer right where you sit. For others, that might look like a step of coming and receiving ministry at the altar tonight. For some, that might be getting out of your seat and just needing to kneel in God's presence. 
for some of you that might need to be just a reconnecting with him or the whispered song on your lips. Whatever it is, allow yourself as we close to become arrested again by the wonder of God. And the cause of that arrest of wonder would produce a posture of surrender in your heart which would lead you to a place of His saving grace. Father, thank you for every, every beautiful person in the house tonight. I thank you for their patience and their humility and their grace that they exude as we patiently tread through the Word of God every week and their hunger that they keep coming to receive. I pray, Father, that they would be encouraged tonight, encouraged and convicted all at the same time in only the beautiful way that you can do it. Father, I pray that as we continue on exploring the ways that you want us to return to childlikeness in order to grow up into maturity, I pray that you drive childishness from us. Help us stop focusing on the I and back on the one. In the name of Jesus, the risen Christ. Everybody said, amen. amen. You're officially dismissed. Love you guys so much. Hope to see you Sunday. If you need ministry, the altars are open. We'll see you soon.